Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect, just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Sports Forecasters. I'm your host, Nick Alvarez. Today, I'm going to get into the, the final stretch of the March Madness tournament, seeing what two teams meet up on Monday and who ultimately, I believe, will win the championship. We're also going to take a look at the new overtime rule for the NFL. Then we're going to take in a very ever so brief glimpse at a sports entertainment spectacle this weekend known as WrestleMania. Now, without further ado, we're going to start off with March Madness. March Madness, for me, has felt like this season a do-it-yourself type of job. The wife wanted to get new plumbing installed in the bathroom, wanted new cabinets and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, sure, I can do that. It doesn't look too bad. Just read a few manuals, everything will go all right. And every which way I've turned, Things have gone awry for me in the tournament. I'm sitting here looking at my bracket that I originally conceived, and I have one team in the final four. I'm happy to have that one team, but it hurts pretty bad to see all the other teams that I thought could go a little farther fall off. I'm sure many of you can join me in that pain and wallow as well. But I'm not here to talk about my bracket. I'm here to look at what matchups do we have right now and what are we seeing for our eventual national championship game. So the first game I'm going to talk about is the first one on the docket for Saturday, and that would be Kansas versus Villanova. Kansas favored by four and a half points. So what is it going to look like here? Well, Villanova is a team that likes to be methodical, slow the ball down with defense, but I believe the loss of Justin Moore is going to be too big to handle. They're not, it's not going to show at the beginning, not in the first half, not the beginning of the second half, but when we get down that stretch run and guys are starting to gas a little bit and they weren't able to rotate past their seven, which in fairness, all the Division One teams in NCAA really don't rotate much past seven. But the fact that they're down a guy and they're only rotating six at this point, six that they're normally rotating, I just feel like that's too much to overcome for Villanova. And I think Kansas edges this one out. This one felt like the easier the two games to pick from. And I'm going to say Kansas wins. In terms of spread, I'm going to say Kansas covers that four and a half. I think it's going to be a five, six point game, mostly because of free throws down the stretch. But we'll see what happens. I'm going to say Kansas ultimately covers, though, against Villanova and advances to the national championship game. That leaves us with a paramount matchup of Duke versus North Carolina, part three, with the Blue Devils being the four-point favorite coming into this. Man, this one has a lot of intrigue, not just because of Coach K, just because of the history of these two college teams, the rivalries and everything that's happened, and just 
put some syrup on top of it of a coach trying to make his final push to get into the national championship game and you have what should be a really great game. Both teams very good offensively. The big thing is which team is going to be better at hitting their shots, which team is going to be able to get stops when they need to. For these teams, it's been split at this point. You have Duke, who handled North Carolina early in the season, and then famously told, you probably heard a million times at this point, Duke lost their final home game for Coach K, where North Carolina just came and took control of the game. Both teams have looked very good throughout the tournament. I have been on record of writing Duke off many times on different occasions throughout this tournament, mostly based on the history that they've had the last few seasons. I just had a hard time buying stock and what they can do. Well, Duke, you've beaten me into submission. I say Duke gets this victory against North Carolina, and they advance to a national championship game, give Coach K another shot at winning one more before it's time to be done. And again, that's a chance. So now we have the table set. Kansas versus Duke. Who is it going to be? I'll give that pick here later in the show. But to jump into a different topic, give a palate cleanse real quick. We're going to look at the NFL overtime rule. Nathan and I, a month or two ago, debated on NFL overtime. Famously, after that Kansas City-Buffalo overtime game, Nathan was upset, outraged. I don't know if those are the right terms, but definitely unhappy with how the process has been with overtime. While I have been on record saying I was fine with how overtime is because of my firm belief that as a great NFL team or successful NFL team, all three phases of your team need to be on par or at least better than the other guys at any given moment throughout the game. Sometimes those moments are more than once in a game. Sometimes you just need that one stop and it's off to the races. Just depends on your team, your situation, and how that comes across. Well, as expected, when the owners meeting happened this week, they got together and there's rumblings of changes being made to the overtime potentially. And those changes were heard. The NFL has voted to change the overtime rules for playoffs only, regular season, the rules stay the same. Coin flip, team gets the ball. If they score a touchdown, the first possession, game's over. In playoffs, that changes. In playoffs, both teams will have a chance to possess the ball regardless of what the first team does with the ball. What I mean by that is if the first team scores a touchdown, which has been the gripe of many about the overtime rules, if they would march down the field like Kansas City did and score a touchdown, the game would not end. Buffalo would get a chance at having the ball. The rule continues to go on in saying that that second team will get to keep possession of the ball until that possession has been completed. Meaning, let's go back to the Kansas City example. If Kansas City scores that touchdown, just kicks an extra point, so they're up by seven, Buffalo has unlimited time to get down the field to score that touchdown and make the choice of tying the game or going for two. If they choose to tie the game, then we enter our sudden death mode where if Buffalo kicks the Kansas City and they go down, field goal, touchdown, doesn't matter, game is over. So hearing the rule 
it's fine for what they want, I suppose, to have the individuals that are unhappy that Buffalo or Kansas City a couple seasons ago don't get that possession in the playoffs or that whole argument that playoff teams who win the coin toss are 10-2 and two in the playoff games. They end up winning it. That's fine. That should satisfy it, maybe. The problem I see with it is you're just prolonging the problem in theory if we're looking at the Kansas City Buffalo game. Again, it's all theory. We don't know how it would go because they were not operating under these rules. But looking at this rule, all you're doing is prolonging the problem in a sense because if my team wins the coin toss, we march down, score a touchdown. That other team gets a touchdown. All I got to do is get to a field goal. I'm still going to have people upset to some degree because it's like, well, they didn't get another possession or anything like that. Or the problem I have with this overtime rule is something that the whole game is predicated on is the clock. Clock management, putting opponents in situations that they're uncomfortable with or forcing their hand in certain circumstances. The fact that the clock no longer becomes a factor with that second possession, I think is the biggest folly with this rule. The rule itself is fine. Giving both teams a possession, giving them a chance, I can get behind that. That's fine. I'm not going to get too up in arms about that. But the fact we take the clock out of the overtime with that second possession, we're basically granting that team, however long it takes you to get that touchdown, just go get it. I think takes away some of the gamesmanship of what football has always presented because we look through the NFL, how many games in regulation are decided because a team is forced with a certain amount of time to get down the field to score that field goal, that touchdown, whatever points they need to tie it and or win it. I would say more times than not, that's how games are decided. So for the overtime to eliminate that part of it, eliminate that time part of it, takes a bit of the gamesmanship out of it. And for me, eliminates an element that adds the intrigue that makes you rely on the three phases of your game. Because for me, if 10-2 and two is what the record is for a team who loses a coin toss in overtime, my question is, why haven't we seen more creative squib kicks or anything like that? Because the belief is our defense needs to step up. They should step up. The hope is they'll step up. Now, when you're in playoff football, you're going against good teams. You have, traditionally speaking, teams that are at least offensively proficient. I feel like this new rule is going to extend the games longer. Will it change the results? It depends. That's a cop-out answer, but it really depends on what is going to change for us and everything like that. I understand people who have championed the whole aspect of the other team getting the ball are going to be very happy about this. For me, it's fine. It's not going to be detrimental to the game, but I do think you lose a bit of the drama, a bit of the intrigue, a bit of gamesmanship when you eliminate the clock as a factor for that team. Because you're given the possession now, but like if I'm the Eagles, going against the Packers, and we win the coin toss, we drive down, we chew up a lot of that clock, we leave only two, three minutes on the clock, that should be an advantage for that team because they're able to manage the game. It's on the defense for not stopping them, for not forcing them to make a bad decision or have them come away empty-handed. But if I leave three minutes on the clock, now that you get the ball, you can just take all the time you want. You don't need to worry about that three minutes. As long as you score a touchdown, everything's good for you. And I understand they still have to perform and meet the bar, but don't eliminate the clock.
no part of the NFL game has ever eliminated the clock. Eliminating the clock inches you closer to college football over time, which or which has become more and more absurd in how that's going. So NFL, good job trying to create a new situation to help out those fans who are upset about their team or the game being decided by a coin toss. But I think the rule will need to be tweaked yet to keep the clock in play with it. Personal preference, but we'll see how it goes, see how long before they do change it or if they go back to how they did things. Now moving on to this weekend's sporting event, which I glanced on, glossed over a few episodes ago with the passing of Scott Hall and just kind of my memoriam and everything like that. Again, to be clear, I have not watched pro wrestling in any real capacity or sense since the year early 2000 or late 1999. I couldn't even tell you the exact timing of it, but I've kept some tabs of those wrestlers that were competing then or performing then until their eventual retirements. Like every WrestleMania, they would be talking about who The Undertaker would be facing. And he was huge back in the 90s for a kid like me growing up. He was just like, he's very polarizing and other countless stars going on. All of them have retired pretty much. Uh, there's names I recognize and know through various means, but looking at WrestleMania here is a very exciting time. I have several friends who do enjoy sports entertainment in the sense of this event and the Royal Rumble are the big ones they really try to gather together. This is their Super Bowl in a sense. This is supposed to be the big send-off to many different things or just kind of encapsulate the this brand of wrestling with a grand ceremony, a grand presentation a grand event just lots of grands there but what i'm going to do here is i do want to mention it because i like to do some forecasting with it i really try to do some research to see different prop things going on with it but what i want to look at for this wrestlemania is to look at the championship matchups over the last two wrestlemanias because that's when they started the two-day wrestlemanias there have been combined 17 championship matches what that means is a title whether that's men's women's tag how was the outcome and so for me for wrestlemania i'll just run through the championship matchups if you don't know or do know and just give you my forecast at the end of it so you have the raw women's championship where you have becky lynch going against bianca belair you have the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, where you have the Usos going against Nakamura and Boggs. You have the SmackDown Women's Championship, where you have Charlotte Flair going against Ronda Rousey. On Sunday, you have a champion versus champion, where the WWE champion Brock Lesnar goes against Universal Champion in Roman Reigns. Where you have four tag teams going against Queen Zelina and Carmella. Raw Tag Team Championship, where RK-Bro goes against two other tag teams. What my forecast is going to be is because, again, I don't watch pro wrestling with any kind of regularity. So that's where forecasting this kind of event makes it difficult. What I am going to forecast, though, is how many of these championship matchups, how many of them are going to have titles changing hands. 
how many are going to have a challenger winning the bout? Now, where you have the title versus title, that feels like a bit of a cop-out saying, oh, yeah, there's going to be one changing there. It's an obvious that one's going to be changing there. If I was to count that in my number of title changes, I believe four out of the six title matches I mentioned will change hands. Taking that title versus title matchup, which I feel like is fair to take it out, three out of five of these matchups between Saturday and Sunday, three out of five will have a new champion at the end of WrestleMania. The ones, the two I feel strongest about in terms of title changes would be the two women's championship matchups. I believe both of those have a high probability of changing hands. The third one is going to be one of the tag teams. I couldn't tell you which one, to be honest. Again, storylines and everything like that, who they're trying to push, is a big thing about pro wrestling, and that's why I make it more sports entertainment as opposed to what we're used to doing with sports, where we have two teams like Duke and North Carolina entering and trying and seeing how that all goes down because there's nothing known about that result. But nonetheless, pro wrestling definitely has their fans. It's It can be very fun to watch and enjoy. So if you're one to enjoy it, go ahead and do so. Now, bring it all back from the beginning. We're going to look at the men's national championship game. Earlier I said Duke would beat North Carolina and Kansas would beat Villanova. So in their championship game, we have Coach K for his final game, regardless of the result, in the national championship game against Kansas. Mark Hurd called it right when he said Duke's having a redemption arc of getting to the national championship. But this is the time that I think Duke loses it. I think Kansas' defensive presence and their determination on being a defensive team is what's going to end up hurting Duke in the end. Unlike Texas Tech, Kansas has multiple players that can score a very good clip at an efficient clip and be competitive throughout the game. So I believe that Duke does make the national championship game, but I believe Coach K ends up being a runner-up in this case, which isn't the storybook ending for Coach K, but I just, this Kansas team has been doing very well at responding to the challenges they have been presented throughout the tournament, as well as Duke. I just feel like Duke wants to survive too much on their offensive prowess instead of having that support of having a sound defensive team. If things go how I've been predicting, it could totally go the other way and Duke ends up winning it. However, I'm sticking with Kansas. So, again, for March Madness, I have Duke winning on Saturday and Kansas winning on Saturday with Kansas ultimately winning it all. Maybe it's biased because I said they were going to make the Final Four, but based on the matchups presented, I feel like Kansas has the best lineup to respond to what Duke has been able to do, matching or at least staying par with them offensively and then having the defensive presence slow Duke down to where it gets uncomfortable for them. If I'm wrong, it'll be the happiest that I could be for Coach K to be wrong because it's always nice to have that send-off for those players or coaches that have put so much into the game and have such a legacy from the hoist one more trophy, but I don't think that's how it's going to happen. However, time will tell, and by the next time we record, we'll know for certain. And with that, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Sports Forecasters. You've been listening to Nick Alvarez, and I'll see you next time.